Welcome to the Beacon Church Podcast. Each week we post a sermon from our last Sunday service so you can catch up, review, or share with your friends. We pray as you listen to this week's episode, you're encouraged and equipped to love God, love people, grow in Christ, and serve the world. Morning, everybody. All right, good to see you. Everybody uh, recovering from that food coma, okay? Slowly but surely. I was saying earlier, I feel like uh, three days later, I'm like still full. That doesn't, that's not good, right? I feel like I should see a doctor or do something about that. But uh, it is so, so good to be together. Uh, we are coming off of this friend series. How many of you guys were here for some portion of that? Yes, most of you, many of you? Yes, very good, very good. So we're coming off this friend series where we've been talking a little bit about how uh, our society in this current moment in time uh, though in many ways we're more connected than we've ever been, internet, social media, all the rest of it, we're also more disconnected. There's an epidemic of loneliness that uh, is rampant in our society. Surgeon General issued a report about how loneliness is literally killing us physically, emotionally, spiritually, really in every way. There's some sense I think that we all have that people, including the people in this room and myself, in some way are longing for something. And, you know, this is something that statistics bear out in ways that we could, we could, we can't even, it's very unexpected, I would say. So, um, I'm not talking about like a guy going around taking a poll. Like, if you look at like Barna and Gallup, like real pollsters, um, Americans today uh, have said 80% of Americans say that they are either religious or spiritual. More of them say they are spiritual than religious per se, but 80%, 8 out of 10 people in your offices and in your workplaces and in your neighborhoods seem to be looking for something. 75% of people say that they want to grow spiritually. Uh, Three out of four people that you're surrounded by say they want to grow spiritually. And that's something that actually was not true just 10 years ago. So in 2012, same question. And it was exponentially lower, the amount of people who said that they want to grow spiritually. Something seems to be awaking in our society in this particular moment in time. And I believe that God wants to use ordinary people to meet this longing, this unspoken longing that is becoming so prevalent in our society. And, you know, if you don't know Jesus yet, maybe you're here visiting with family for the holiday weekend or something, or no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, I want you to know that God calls ordinary people to himself. And for those of us who have put our trust in Jesus, that God uses ordinary people like you and like me to recreate and transform his world. You know, so I've been in pastoral ministry and working in the marketplace as an attorney for like 20 years, right? And you look at me and you're like, that's impossible. He looks way too young for that, right? Yeah. See, now you're laughing and that's kind of hurting my feelings a little. So I've been working in both of these areas for so long and it has just become so clear to me that this is, it is all one thing. 
that God, in fact, wants to use regular people, us as a church family, ordinary people, to expand the reach of what it is that he wants to do in our world. Robert and I talk about this all the time, the beauty of the fact that as, as warm and as bright as what we experience in this room together is, and it is warm and it is bright. Man, you guys sounded amazing as you were worshiping just a minute ago as we were worshiping together, right? There's something that emanates from this room. And yet, the people in this room, you and me, together as a church family, we are able to reach corners of our towns and corners of Long Island that this room never could as good and as beautiful and as right as it is for us to be together worshiping God. Jesus had a lot to say about this, right? Jesus claimed that he is the light of the world. You're familiar with this verse, right? John chapter uh, 8. He says he is the light of the world and that his light reflects off of us. So what does Jesus say about you and about me? Jesus says this. He says, you are the light for the world. A city built on top of a hill cannot be hidden and no one lights a lamp and puts it under a clay pot. Instead, it's placed on a lampstand where it can give light to everyone in the house. And so Jesus says, make your light shine so others will see the good you do and will praise your Father in heaven. Because there is beauty in the light that is within every follower of Jesus. You just saw the Christmas happenings that are coming up. Maybe you've, how many of you have been here before for a, a Christmas Eve service here at Beacon, right? It's beautiful. We do, uh, we do the candlelight service. We, we light each other's candles. The lights go out. And this room is glowing, right? And there's a beauty to that symbolism. Now, for fire safety reasons, like we blow out the candle before we leave, but in concept... That candle, that little light of mine, is what I take into every space that I find myself in, as you do, as you do as well. That every place and every circle and every space that you find yourself in, you bring that light with you as it lights up the candles of the people around you. You know, I, I saw this image recently, this little animated image of how um, they show like the movements of people throughout a given day. And on Long Island and in New York City, and you kind of see how like there's little, little dots representing all the people, little lights. And during the workday and from 9 to 5, like all those lights kind of converge into the city, into Queens and Brooklyn. And then those areas are like really bright. And then after the workday is over, those lights start to spread out. Now all of a sudden you can kind of see like the outline of Long Island because now the whole thing is bright. Because the people have spread out into every corner of the world. This is what happens when we take this little light of mine and you and me and everyone in our church family goes and reaches every corner uh, of, of God's world. Now all of that, that sounds, that sounds really exciting, but I think that it leaves us with some really um, important questions. So if I'm going to take a step toward where God is going. And I'm going to bring this little light of mine into the circles that I find myself. Well, then the question really is like, well, what, what does that mean for me? That sounds like a risky endeavor. Or if I'm to reach out to people that I wouldn't normally reach out to, like, what will I say? What will I do? 
How will I behave? What does this look like? We're still, what if I take this step to bring this little light of mine into the corners and the spaces and the circles in which I work and live and play? And what if I bring those and it, it, it just feels like it's not working, like nothing's happening? Ultimately, what I really want to know is, can I trust God's promises that he's faithful to do what he wants to do through us? Well, guys, thank God that we are not the first people to ask these questions or to have these doubts or concerns. In fact, I, I think generally stories tend to strengthen and encourage us. So I've commended you to this before, this exercise of perhaps like making a timeline of your life and mapping out all of the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the different things that you have experienced over the course of your life and seeing the thread of God's faithfulness over years and years and years and a lifetime. And when we do that, we begin to see and feel full of God's presence and his faithfulness. How many of you guys at Thanksgiving had the chance to like just share with each other a little bit about like one or two things you're grateful for, maybe around the, the Thanksgiving table or something like that? Some of you guys get a chance to do that? Yeah, I see some hands raised. It's beautiful. It's meaningful. Why? When we hear about the ways in which God is working in the lives of the people around us, it makes us feel full and it makes us feel encouraged. Well, I would say this also, the same way that we get encouragement from God's thread of his faithfulness in our lives and the thread of God's faithfulness in the lives of the people around us, so too the scriptures are full of stories of people who, regular people, ordinary people like you and me, who chose to follow God. And, and when we look at their stories, we also see the thread of God's faithfulness in their lives. And it's partly intended to encourage and to lift us up as well. It's the richness and the beauty of the scriptures. So what we're going to see today is, listen, we are not asking God to do something new. In fact, we're asking him to do again what he has done time and time again. And the beauty of it is that God has made certain promises, promises to the people in Scripture, promises to you and to me as we go. You know, when my kids were little, when they would ask me uh, to get them something or take them somewhere and I couldn't do it at that moment, I would tell them, okay, well, I can't do that right now. We're going to do that another time. And then they'd ask again. And I would say, no, we can't do it. And then like five minutes later, they would ask again. Anyone like been down this road, right? Parents, right? Happens, happens all the time, right? Ask, okay. Then I would, if, if I would promise them, if I would say, hey, listen, bud, we can't do it today, but I promise you we will do it next Tuesday. Then all of a sudden, they would relent. They would calm down. They would rest easy. Why? Because a promise actually means something, especially depending on who is making that promise. And I would try my very best to always keep a promise that was made. Here we are looking in the face of a way maker and a promise keeper that we were just singing about. Yeah? And the promises of God are what allow for us to rest easy. Why? Because God's promises can be trusted. Say it with me. God's promises can be trusted. Let me hear you. Yes. Amen. God's promises can be trusted. Now Moses knew exactly what it meant to see the uncertainty ahead and wonder whether or not God is faithful to keep his promises. 
Uh, we're going to kind of park in um, Exodus chapters 3 and 4. The verses are going to be on the screen, but this is actually a great week. If you have a device or something and you want to follow along, it's kind of a great week to do that. But the verses will be uh, on the screen. Let me give you a little quick background of what's happening. First, we're years and years after Moses was already, he had been prince of Egypt. He was kicked out of Egypt. Now he finds himself living on the mountainside. He's farming. He's raising animals. He's got a wife. He's got kids. He's got a job. If this is our world, he's got a nine to five. He's got an SUV. He's got a 401k. He's doing the whole thing, the picket fence, the whole thing. He knows what life holds and he's doing his thing and he's enjoying his life and his family. Then all of a sudden, a very peculiar, remarkable thing happens where the, God comes and speaks to him in the form of this burning bush. Maybe you're probably familiar with the story, and God says this. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So let's just pause for, for a second real quick, all right? The Israelite people have been in bondage and slavery for like 400 years. They've been waiting for this moment. And now, finally, God is coming to Moses and he's saying, I've seen their misery. I have heard them crying. I'm concerned about their suffering. This is a unique moment in time. 400 years have passed. 20 generations have passed. And they've been waiting for this moment. Something is different in what God wants to do in this particular moment. And we see, as the story unfolds, if you're looking for something to read this week, I mean, take a look through Exodus again. We see that God rescues the Israelites from Israel uh, and it was solely the work of his hand. He comes down and he delivers them from slavery and he literally walks them out of the most powerful empire on the planet without them ever raising a sword. And you'll often hear me speak about how um, so much of the Hebrew Bible, our Old Testament, is a shadow of a greater exodus, of a greater Moses. So like, you see my shadow over there, it kind of looks like me, that's true, but all it does is portray actually me. And so too, the story of the exodus, what we see here is that it points us to a greater exodus, to a greater Moses, just like Israel. Our rescue is wholly the work of God without any work of our own. That we were in misery and alone and feeling abandoned and, and, and even hopeless and disconnected from who we were created to be. But God, he saw our misery. He, he heard our cries. He knew and understood and was concerned about our suffering. And he sends his son, Jesus, to bear the weight of our sin once and for all so we could walk out of sin's grip on us without ever lifting a finger and experience the freedom that we never thought could be possible. That's the message that we carry. Now, God goes on and says to Moses, he says, okay, well now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And just as God called Moses to a mission, and he makes him these promises, the same God makes those promises to us, church family, to you and to me makes these promises 
as he sends us to bring this little light of mine into every corner and every circle in which we, we find ourselves. So Moses has some very reasonable questions. And he has a little dialogue with Yahweh, with God, in, in, uh, in chapter 3 and chapter 4. We're going to take a look, quick look. And every time Moses asks a question, God responds with a promise. And guys, I believe so much that God is extending these promises to you and me as we sit here today. So what does God promise first? He says this. God says, my presence is sufficient for where I've called you. Look at Moses' question. Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Man, this is a very reasonable question, right? He's like, who am I that I should go? Like, I am not the right choice for this job. Like, you want me to go take on Pharaoh? A guy who in Egypt had an entire generation of Hebrew babies drowned in the, in the river, right? And just, just genocide. He's ruthless. And, you, and you're saying that I'm the right guy to go take him on. Okay, now, you hear somebody who's asking a question like that. Like, we're, we're a good church family. I love being here because I love how we encourage each other. And I think what we'd be prone to do is encourage him, right? Well, Moses, no, you are suited for this job. You're well-educated. You know the political landscape in Egypt because, like, you were prince back in the day. Um, you understand the people. They might actually just listen to you. But God doesn't give Moses a pep talk. He doesn't say, no, 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 you can do this. Instead, God makes him a promise. And he says, I will be with you that I'm not sending you alone. So Moses says, who am I? And God says, let me tell you about me. That my presence is sufficient for the mission. My presence is sufficient for what I have called you to. And, it's, and when God's presence goes with us, it changes everything. God points back to himself. And later Moses goes on and, he's, and he has another experience with him. After Israelites have come out of Egypt... He's speaking with God later on, and Moses gets this so deeply that he later says to God, if you don't come with us, we're not going. He's saying your presence is everything. Your presence is what changes everything. And when we think about what the future holds for us, what it looks like for us to bring this little, this little light of mine into the dark places where we work and play and, and live, we can feel confident and know in the deepest part of our being that God has made you a promise. God has made me a promise. I will be with you. Rightly so. Um, Moses is not done asking his questions. And so God makes another promise to him. God promises that my message is sufficient for where I've called you. Look at what Moses says. Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? Pretty reasonable question, right? He's like, what do I say? How do I handle this? They're going to ask me questions that I don't have answers to. And God makes Moses a promise, once again, that points back to himself. He doesn't tell Moses that your education will be there for you. Like all the things you've learned is what's going to help you know what to say. Instead, 
What does God say? God says, this is what you are to say to him. And he pretty much writes Moses a, a, a type of script. It reads in verse 14. God says to Moses, he says, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And God goes on and on talking about his goodness and his power and his strength. And he says, this is the message. It's not your message, Moses. And in the same way, it's not your message, church family, or my church, my message that we are bringing when we carry this light into the spaces where we find ourselves. God points back to himself. And honestly, it is, it is uh, just a shadow of the promise that Jesus himself makes later on when he uh, promises us that we don't need to worry about defending ourselves and how we will defend ourselves because Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit in that moment will teach you what it is that you should say. It's in Luke chapter 12. It's powerful. I know, we feel a lot of pressure. It's like, what do I say? How am I going to handle this? Moses wants to know what he should say, and God is saying, the message is not yours, Moses. It's mine, and we can claim that promise. So what do we say with our words and with our, with our life? It's a story of God's goodness and his faithfulness that we tell that God created a, a good world. He created humans to enjoy all the goodness of, of his world. But the, but the humans, you and me, choose to redefine what is good and evil for ourselves. And as a result, everything falls apart from there. God's good design, a world marked by love and generosity and compassion, is replaced by our own self-interest and our own greed. And everything falls apart from there. But God does not give up on you or on me or on this human experiment. Instead, he sends his son out of the depth of his love for us to come to earth and live the life we should have lived and die a death that we should have died on a cross and take upon himself the weight of our selfishness and our greed and the way that we have screwed up our world. And then he rises again so that we might rise with him and become the humans that we were created to be, a new humanity here in this room, a new community, such that everything that we touch absorbs the goodness and the power and the holiness of God in some small way. And in fact, that, that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to finish what he started and restore his world into the, the good world that he intended it for, a be, for it to be, one marked by love and one marked by generosity and compassion. This is the message which is sufficient. Would we claim it? That our words don't have to be perfect, family, but that God is working through you and his promises can be trusted, that his message is sufficient. Moses' questions actually don't end there. He's got, he's got one or two more, and, they respond, and God responds once again with a promise. God has said that my presence is enough. My message is enough. And God says my power is sufficient for where I've called you. Look at Moses' question. Pretty reasonable one. What if they don't believe me? 
Or they don't listen to me. And they say, the Lord did not appear to you. It's like a really reasonable question. Listen, he's standing before this burning bush that does not burn. We could admit that this is a really peculiar, like trippy situation, right? Like what is happening right now? And it's okay for us to acknowledge and admit that and for Moses to be like, this is unbelievable. I get the feeling nobody else is going to believe this either. What if it feels like there is no impact to what it is that Moses tries to accomplish that God is asking him to do? And as these questions are going on, I can almost feel like, read this when you have some time, this back and forth. We're just going through one chapter. This is not all over the place. This is just a back and forth dialogue between Moses and God. And I can almost feel God being like, oh, Moses, like, when will you understand that this is not about you, that this is about me? And God points Moses back to himself. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob, has appeared to you. And what is it that he does? What is this? All right? So, you know, God decides to flex a little bit and show Moses. So what does he do? Three quick things he does for Moses. He tells Moses to take his shepherd's rod and to just throw it onto the ground. And then that rod turns into a snake. That is really strange. It's a really bizarre situation. The scriptures say that Moses saw that happen and he like starts running away. I don't blame him. That is scary, right? And God's like, no, 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 no. Come back, come back, come back. And he tells Moses to grab the snake by the tail and then it turns back into a rod. Then God tells Moses to put his hand inside his cloak and pull it out and look at it and it's diseased. It's, it's lep it's, he's got leprosy on his hand, the most contagious and fatal disease at the time. And then God tells him to put his hand back in his cloak and he pulls it out and he's healed. And then God says to take some water from the Nile into a jug and pour it out. And when he pours it out, it's, it's red. It's the color of blood. And this is weird, trippy stuff that's happening. But God is making another promise to Moses. He is saying, my power is sufficient for what I've called you to. It is a promise that Moses can claim. Moses is so concerned that he doesn't have the power to convince the people to whom he brings his light that God is who he says he is. But God is saying to, to Moses, it's not on you to convince them of my power or convince them to accept my power. It's on God to show them his power and he will. And that changes, the, changes it. It changes our perspective. It takes a little bit of that pressure and that weight, the same weight that Moses was feeling, the same weight that I tend to feel when I nervously bring this light of mine into these dark places. And I think maybe we all struggle with that a little bit. But God promises that his power is what's credible. Not yours, not mine, not Moses's. And God makes one final promise. He says, my strength is sufficient for where I've sent you. Take a look at Moses' uh, question here, or his little statement. He's like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Lord, <laughs> right? Pardon your servant for a second. Um, I've never been eloquent. I haven't been in the past, and I'm still not, even with you talking to me, right? He says, I'm slow of speech and tongue. So, when I talk about God using ordinary people for his extraordinary mission, we tend to think that like, oh, you're teaching about Moses. Moses is Charlton Heston, 
right? Tall, handsome, well-spoken. That is not the picture of Moses or the reality of the way the scriptures describe who Moses was. Moses, we know, had some type of a speech impediment. Here he's acknowledging before God that he's never been good at speaking or having the attention of a crowd. And now he's standing before this burning bush and God's speaking to him. And he's like, I still got the same problem that I had before. And it's a very reasonable question that he brings. And once again, God is, is like, Moses, like, when will you see that this is not about you? This is about me and what I, want, what I desire to do through you. Look at how the Lord responds. He, Moses is like, I can't speak very well. I'm not eloquent. I'm not good at giving speeches. And Moses, uh, God says, who gave human beings their mouth? You're concerned about what's going to come out of your mouth? Who gave you that mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not the Lord? God makes yet another promise to Moses. Zoom out that my strength is sufficient for the mission that I've called you to. And Moses keeps talking about the things that he can't do. And God doesn't say, yes, you can. Yes, you can. God keeps responding with the strength of what he can do. Here we are going into this Christmas season, looking at what lies ahead for 2024. And I just believe so much that in this room, in our church family, is the ability to reach corners of New Hyde Park and of Port Washington and of Mineola and of Albertson and of Floral Park and of all the places that we live and work and play. That in this room is the ability for us to reach those corners and bring this light to people in a way that has never been done before right here on Long Island in this moment in time, 10 years after a date when people were not spiritually interested in spiritual growth, to 2023, where three out of the four people around you say they want to grow spiritually. They're just looking for the light. And who's going to bring it? But for us, family, that this is what God is calling us to. And he's promised us that his presence will go with us, that his message will go with us, that his power will go, through, will go with us, and that his strength will go with us. Here's the irony. We set our foot towards this, and we feel like there's like no guarantee of success, right? And I think the problem there is the way that we define success. So like I said, you're looking for something to read this week? Thumb through the pages of Exodus. We're in chapters 3 and 4. Like a lot happens in the, verse, in the chapters that follow, right? The Moses lives a long life. And the Israelites, like I said, they march right out of Egypt. And they have quite an experience in the book of Exodus. And what you'll see is that Moses was a part of a small piece of it. A little piece of the mosaic of this grand picture that God was unfolding. And so too... So too, we enter into these things feeling like, oh, there doesn't seem to be impact or it doesn't seem like there is success. But that is the way that we define success. You know, in 1914, there was a voyage that was taken to Antarctica. Maybe you're familiar with this. Ernest Shackleton. This is literally the advertisement that he put out for his voyage that he was trying to recruit people for to go to Antarctica. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, Long months of complete darkness, constant danger. This sounds amazing, right? Safe return, doubtful. 
honor and recognition in event of success. So remember how I said, oh, there's people that seem to be longing for something. That is not an original story. That was true in 1914 too. You know why? People read this little ad and 5,000 people applied for this. Is that crazy? He only took 26 people with him. Sure enough, the ship takes off to go towards Antarctica and it does get stuck on its way there. And they spend 10 months at sea. And they don't give up hope and miraculously they do end up making it to Antarctica and all 26 of them make it back home safely. Look, God is working in both seen and unseen ways. He is sending us not someone else. He is sending us, you and me, as an act of love for his broken world to bring rescue to his people, to bring this little light of mine and let it shine in dark places. And there's an amazing, amazing reality here that God intends to rescue people through ordinary people like you and me, that he uses inadequate, broken people to reach inadequate broken people. That's awesome. That is who he is. Waymaker, promise keeper. That is who he is. We bring light to people in ways sometimes that maybe no one else can. So how do we do it? Well, um, I, I would ask you this um, to consider for a second. Where is your circle? I know we've had a nice long weekend, and I don't want to make you think about the fact that tomorrow's Monday, but tomorrow's Monday. So let's skip Monday, and let's just think about Tuesday. I'm not ready to think about Monday. Let's think about Tuesday, all right? So it's, uh, it's 12.37. Where are you going to find yourself on Tuesday, not Monday, at 12.37? Maybe you will be at your office or in a cubicle, maybe if that's where you work. Maybe you're a student, you find yourself in a classroom, middle school, high school, college. Um, maybe you uh, will be, maybe you're a class mom and you're helping out at your kid's school, at the PTA or something else. Maybe in your neighborhood every day you walk out to get your mail and you end up talking to a neighbor for a little while. Uh, maybe it's a coffee shop you go to every day. Where are you going to find yourself? Where is your circle? We could do an entire series on fleshing out what comes next, but take a look at this. How do we do this? We bring God's presence with us into our circle. We bear the presence of Jesus to the people around us. That, that it's, not, it's not perfect. It's not that Moses, just as Moses was saying, like, I'm not perfect. I don't know what I'm doing. And if you, if you read through his journey, like, there's a lot of hiccups on the, on the way. Like, he does not get it right all the time. And yet, coming before the people in the cubicle next to us, in the, in the PTA meeting, in our neighborhoods, whatever it is, and saying, yeah, I'm not perfect, like I'm broken, I'm hurting right now, but I am not hopeless. Because there's hope that comes from the good news about Jesus that has changed me. And we bring confidence in who we are as we bear the presence of Jesus to the people around us. We bring God's message with us into these spaces, into the spaces where you go each day. That God's message is that people are seen. 
that in, our, in their longing to be seen and to be known, that's so much of what social media, that the itch that social media is trying to scratch, isn't it? That in that longing, there's a passage in, in Genesis, maybe many of you are familiar with, where this woman named Hagar has a really, really tough road. And then finally, she experiences God's presence in a fresh way. And then she names God for the first time. And she names God El Roy, the God who sees me. And for us to go into our spaces with this message to the people around us that you are seen by God and you are loved by God, that he gave his life for you to enter into the fullness of your of relationship with him and to who you were created to be, that you do not suffer alone, that they can experience Jesus when we show them compassion, compassion, co Passion, compassion, suffering with, when we suffer with them. We bring God's power with us into these spaces. We turn these spaces into spaces of prayer. Maybe not during work hours necessarily, if that's not appropriate in your workplace. However, I will say this. The people in my office, they know that I pray. They know that I'm a praying person. So when they are in crisis, they do come to me and ask sometimes, hey, my dad's really sick can you pray for him? And, and they don't necessarily mean pray with them. But listen, you talk about the power of God going with us. That is a beautiful step in the right direction. Why? Just by asking for prayer. Somehow they have started to acknowledge and experience and lean into the reality that God is the one with the power to, to change their situation and to bring help in time of need. What is it going to look like for us to even make our workplaces a place that just through us draws upon God's power and brings it into our office, into the coffee shop, into the PTA meeting, into our neighborhoods, whatever it might be. And we would, that we might believe for them and draw them into God's power as we do. Last one, we bring God's strength with us. That just by the ways that we come into these spaces with integrity and with a cult, setting a culture of patience and a culture of clarity about who we are and poise in the midst of difficulty, not because we're perfect and we've got it all figured out, but because our hope is in something greater than us. These are, are just some of the ways in which we can claim God's promises and bring this little light of ours into dark places. Church, there is something happening here on Long Island in this moment in time. There is. It's like Elijah saw this vision of these dry bones that came together and came to life. But before that happened, he heard a rattle. They started to shake. And I feel like there is a rattle happening on our island, in our world, and it happens through us, through God's presence, through his message, through his power, and through his strength working in us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we're so grateful for what you are doing in this time and in this place. Thank you that you do not leave us alone, but you are a God who keeps his promises and is working in ways that we see and ways that we don't. We love you. We thank you. We lean upon you. Would we draw upon your presence and your power and your message and your strength as we go? We pray this in Jesus' name.
If you enjoyed the sermon, want to learn more about Jesus, or get to know our community, please visit beacon.church to get connected. We would love to hear from you.